0: Would you stand to your feet? Let's worship the Lord this morning. This is a new song. I think you'll pick up on it pretty quickly. Let's worship Him this morning. Sing with me. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. HE OPENED THE PRISON DOORS, HE PARTED THE RAGING SEA. MY GOD, HE HOLDS a the VICTORY. THERE'S JOY IN THE HOUSE OF THE LORD. THERE'S JOY IN THE HOUSE OF THE LORD TODAY. AND WE WON'T BE QUIET, WE SHOUT OUT YOUR PRAISE. THERE'S JOY IN THE HOUSE OF THE LORD. OUR GOD IS SURE IN THIS PLACE. WE WON'T BE QUIET. Shall I love your praise We sing to the God who heals We sing to the God who saves We sing to the God who always makes a way Cause he hung up on that cross Then he rose up from the grave My God, still rolling stone away there's joy in the house of the Lord there's joy in the house of the Lord today we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the Lord our God is surely in this place we won't be quiet we shout out your praise Cause we were the beggars royalty we were the prisoners now we're running free we are forgiven accepted See you we
1: Good morning, church. And I'm so glad that I'm redeemed and forgiven and accepted by the blood of the Lamb, aren't you? He is indeed worthy of our praise this morning. So glad that you've gathered here to do that this morning and worship with us at Pitts Baptist Church. Uh, There's probably a few empty spots that you see around. And we have several of our men and uh, their uh, sons at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters this weekend Uh, for the men's conference there. I know Pastor was there for a couple of days. And so uh, uh, just pray for them as they wrap that up and they make their way back here safely. But we pray that they've had a good time in the Lord. Um, But we welcome everyone here to our worship services this morning. And if you're visiting with us, we invite you to take a care card that's in the pew back in front of you. Uh, Look at that and take the information, fill that out and then we would love to have that card back you can give that to either meet jonathan or pastor scott or you can put it in the the boxes in the foyer of our sanctuary here we just want to know uh, of your visit with us this morning and then of course as always on the other side of that card uh, is a place for anyone to fill a prayer request uh, need uh, if you want to jot that down as well turn that in the same way uh, we would certainly appreciate that as well to know how to pray for you guys. But we are indeed grateful that you're here this morning uh, to worship at Pitts Baptist Church. Uh, By way of announcements, there's really not a whole lot except for one big item that we have coming up on October the 2nd. If you did not receive one of these, uh, make sure that you get one of these. This is our Missions in Action Sunday And it will be October the 2nd. Um, The schedule time-wise is going to stay the same. Uh, But instead of Sunday school or community groups, there are going to be six breakout sessions. And there's going to be two periods of those sessions. So you would take two of these, and then you you would choose two of these and go to those in the morning instead of Sunday school. So the, the topics that will be discussed in small groups, prayer. Loving Your Neighbors, Missions 101, Evangelism, Where Pitts is Already Involved, in Sharing Christ with Kids. And so these groups are going to be uh, from sixth grade on up. So students, you also make your choice as to what breakout session that you would like to go to. And then our children's ministry program that morning will remain the same. Uh, but then after the small group time, Um, There'll be places designated throughout the campus where these these classes will meet. Uh, Everyone will come in here for worship like we normally do. And uh, Randy Maynard uh, will be our speaker that that morning. And he is with the BSC. And we would love for you to to be a part of that as well. Um, And then right after uh, he leads us in our worship time together, uh, lunch will be provided uh, for um the whole church and we just ask simply that you take this tear off and uh fill that out the number of people that would be attending and then again you can put those in the boxes that are in the foyer of the sanctuary but this is going to be a great day to to let you know to educate us as to how uh our church has been involved in missions some of the mission trips that we've been on this past summer um there'll be testimonies given So it's just going to be a great day in the Lord as we celebrate missions. And as always, every time we do this, we have our harvest offering. And that'll be a big part of that Sunday that helps to go fund some of these mission trips uh, that you have uh, been on uh, this past year. So make sure that you make every preparation to be a part of that special Sunday. But we uh, are indeed grateful that you're here to worship This morning, let's turn our attention to a passage of Scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen as Paul says this. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet— Father, it's indeed good to be in your house this morning to worship and praise you for you alone, Father, are worthy of our praise. Father, thank you for choosing us and for redeeming us and for forgiving us. Thank you, Father, for the salvation that you have given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. For when he laid down his life on the cross, and died for our sins. He took the punishment that should have rightfully been ours. But Lord, we know that after he lay in the grave three days, that he rose again victorious over death, sin, and the grave to where Paul could write, and we could join in in saying, "Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Because of the resurrection, Lord, we have a commission to do what you have told us to do, to go and make disciples and in doing so father you've told us to be steadfast and immovable and always abounding in your work father i pray that that is our desire i pray god that the earthly desires do not get in the way of the call that you've laid on our life to be disciple makers lord we come today and we ask father that you would uh, be with our pastor as he brings to us the message that you've given to him. Use him, Father, as uh, your instrument uh, to bring forth truth. Uh, Lord, as the Holy Spirit gives that to us, Lord, I pray that we would take that word, apply it to our life, that, Father, we might be more like your Son, Christ. And we thank you and praise you. Be honored in this service, and may the name of the Lord Jesus be high and lifted up. We pray in his name. Amen.
0: You stand with me as we do just that in glorifying the name of Jesus. Let's raise our voices together this morning. To see the dawn of the darkest day.
2: People said, Amen. 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 It's good to see you here today. Uh, Kevin's already mentioned about the group of men coming back today. Uh, We were part of, oh, I would estimate probably 1,200 men up there, Uh, many with their sons, and our group will be coming back uh, this afternoon. Pray for their safety. I know they're tired. you don't get much sleep at Snowbird. I know Tony Saunders the other night had to go out to his car and uh, just sleep in his car the other night called oh, big old Tony. So uh, not much sleep. So pray for the group as they return uh, this afternoon. Also pray today for Pat Testerman in our church. Uh, Pat will be having surgery today and perhaps even more surgery tomorrow at uh, Northeast you should have received a Deacon flyer on your way in today a little bio sketch on uh, the Deacons being presented Uh, there's 13 Deacons uh, here in this brochure being presented for election next week we will be electing uh, 10 Of the 13 the other three will go on the alternate list in case we have a deacon that that has to uh, give up his position of service for some reason maybe a job change or a move or family illness it's always good to have some alternates uh, on the list so three of these men will be alternates but again we'll be electing 10 of these 13 uh, next week Uh, If you would take your Bibles out and turn with me back to the Gospel of Mark as we continue in our study through the Gospel of Mark, looking this morning at chapter 6, a relatively brief passage, uh, verses 7 through 13. And I want to talk to you today about living a life of mission. Living a life of mission. Mark chapter 6 beginning in verse 7. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word, please? Mark records, And he called the twelve, and he began to send them out two by two. And he gave them the authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Father, we thank you that as we read about the life of Christ on the pages uh, of the scripture, we see that Jesus had a restless activity about his life. He would not rest until he had gone throughout the various villages preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And inviting people to believe in him and to follow him. And God, I pray that as followers of Christ, we would follow in his footsteps. I remember what Dr. D. James Kennedy said many years ago. That if you're not making uh, disciples of men, you're not fishing for men, then who are you following Because Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. God, give us a heart for your mission. Give us a heart for lost people. Speak to us through this passage today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Some years ago, the, uh, the results of a study of 19 Christian organizations was published. Among the 19 groups was our own International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. And here's what they found in that report. They found that only 20% of the world had been evangelized. By evangelized, they did not mean that 20% were Christian. They simply meant that 20% had had the message of Christ presented to them in a culturally relevant way so that they could clearly understand the gospel and have the opportunity of receiving or rejecting Christ. They found that 26% of the world, or 2,347 people groups, are currently unevangelized, meaning that they do not have a culturally clear and relevant uh, proclamation of the gospel. They found that 24%, or 4,161, People groups are unreached, meaning that there is no church movement at all sufficient enough to sustain any ongoing witness or growth. And finally, they found that 30% of the world, 30% can be classified in a group that they simply called the world, meaning that almost 2,200 people groups have virtually no access to the gospel whatsoever. Folks, those numbers are staggering. You know, we've seen from the very beginning of Mark's gospel that Jesus came on a mission. In Mark 1.15, Jesus said, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. In chapter 1 verse 17 he went on to say follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In Luke 19 verse 10 Jesus said that he had come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus told people to lay up their treasure in heaven not on earth. He spoke much about the kingdom of heaven and preparing ourselves to be residents of that kingdom. It's clear that Jesus came with a sense of mission. He pointed the way of salvation and he provided the way of salvation. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus said he had come to give his life as a ransom for many. And so, folks, he didn't simply come and try to provide a little renovation for life as we know it. He didn't uh, come simply to renovate our lives. He came that men and women might be born again. Folks, it's not that we simply need to turn over a new leaf. Men and women need to be born again. They need to be born from above, born of the Spirit of God. The church needs to be clear on our mission. We aren't to be country clubs. We are to be mission stations, Pointing to Christ, uplifting Christ, and preaching the good news uh, of the gospel. As you've already heard, coming up in just two weeks, we'll have a mission Sunday. And as part of that Sunday, you'll hear some of the ways that you as, as a church family are involved in missions and there'll be some opportunities for you to jump on board and sign up and get in missions if you're get involved in missions if you're not involved already Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. In John 20, 21, he said, As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Some years ago, Dr. James Montgomery Boyce wrote these words. He said, and I quote here, I'm sure you've noticed in your study of the New Testament that nearly all of the resurrection appearances of Jesus end with Jesus telling those present to announce the good news. The New Testament indicates that there were at least 10 appearances of the risen Lord plus Another some years later to the Apostle Paul. In eight of these appearances accounts Christ gives an explicit commission. And in five he commands his followers to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Boyce goes on to say, Matthew does not end his gospel with the resurrection itself. Even more striking, he does not include an account of Christ's ascension. Instead, he ends the gospel with the Lord's great commission. Apparently, it was evident to him, as it should be to us as his followers, that his life and death should affect everything about our speech and our conduct. Folks, what we see in our passage this morning in Mark chapter 6 is a foreshadowing of our own work, our own mission. We learn that we are to be ambassadors for Christ. We're to go in His authority. We're to go with His message. We're to go in His power. And we're to be completely dependent upon His leading through the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to see, first of all, with me this morning, the activity of the Lord. The activity of the Lord. Look at the end of verse 6. He went about among the villages teaching. Again, I want to emphasize this morning that the whole life of the Lord Jesus was a life on mission. Our life is to be like His life. In Matthew chapter 9, we read these words. It says that Jesus went throughout all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few." Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to thrust out workers into his harvest. Folks, we need to see people the way Jesus saw people. People are like sheep without a shepherd. What does that mean? They're wandering around hopeless. They're wandering around lost and without direction. They don't have a sense of purpose. I can't think of anything that describes this generation more than that. And a question is, do we live with a sense of mission to try to reach them? Paul said we need to redeem the time because the days are evil. If he said about that about his own day, what would the Apostle Paul say about our day-to-day? we are to redeem the time we are to live with purpose And you know, living with a sense of purpose, living with a sense of mission has got to be done intentionally. Because naturally, what are we going to do? We're going to get up every day and simply take care of what has to be taken care of in our own lives just to live and make a living. We're going to work, we're going to eat, we're going to take care of our chores. But life's got to be more than this. Your life's got to be more than this. My life's got to be more than this. We've got to have the eyes and heart of the Lord. We've got to see the people around us the way He sees them. And then we've got to be surrendered vessels that Christ can use. We ought to be asking, where is God working around me every single day? Where can I join in with Him in His mission? Because again, there's lostness all around us. And every one of us in here today, we have circles of influence. We have our own little mission field. There are people in our little concentric circles, those closest to us, immediate family members, and then maybe relatives and close friends, we can go all the way out in those concentric circles to just acquaintances or maybe the person we talk to in the grocery store line or at the post office or the bank. We all have those relationships. I have those that you may not know about. You have those that I don't know about. And so every one of us has to live with a sense of mission that God has put us there to reach those people in our circles of influence for Christ we're to be witnesses of Christ and again it's got to be done intentionally and on purpose we've got to evaluate our lives and ask do I have anything left for the Lord at the end of the day or the end of the week to use or if I spent all of my time all of my energy all of my resources on just living in this world and if that's the way you're living and I'm living then we've got to change Folks, life is a vapor. Life is a vapor. And one of these days we will be standing before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. Will we be able to say what the Apostle Paul said at the end of his life when he said, I fought the good fight, I've kept the faith, I finished my course. You see, we can't just think about that then, it'll be too late. We've got to think about it now. As part of Jesus' activity itself, we see that he had a far-reaching plan. And in verse 7, we see his recruitment. This is the very reason that Jesus had called the twelve. It says he called the twelve, began to send them out two by two. He sent them out. Christians are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Our whole entire influence isn't simply to be inside the walls of the church. Folks, we gather in here to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to be instructed in the Lord's word. But every time we leave this place, we're going out into the mission field. And we're to be salt and light. Salt's got to be Shaken out of the salt shaker to to do any good. Back in ancient times, it was used as a preservative because they didn't have refrigerators and freezers like we do today. And so they would take that meat and they would rub salt into it to preserve it. And you know too, salt adds a little bit of flavor to everything it touches, doesn't it? There's nothing like a good old baked potato with uh, salt and butter on it, Right? Or popcorn, how about popcorn with salt and butter? I've told you about our little dog, our Corgi, Obi, short for Obi-Wan, my son who's a Star Wars fan. And every night between about 9.20 and 9.35, he comes over and terrorizes Connie and I until one of us gets up and pops him his popcorn. And it's amazing how he can tell time. We'll see him get up. It'll be about 9:25, and we'll say, "Look, here he comes." And sure enough, I mean, he terrorizes you till you get up and feed him, uh, get his popcorn ready. But popcorn's great with a little bit of salt and butter on. Salt adds a little bit of flavor. And then Jesus said, you're the light of the world. We live in a dark world, and it's getting darker by the day, it seems. And we're to shine the light of Christ. But we've got to be out there to be salt and light. Jesus sent them out in pairs. This probably demonstrated a couple of things. In the book of Deuteronomy, we are reminded of the importance of two witnesses. Every matter had to be confirmed by the witness of at least two people. That would be a sign of the safeguard of the message, the integrity of the message. Even today, we try to go out in twos. There's safety in numbers. There's accountability in numbers, along with the sense of of teamwork. I remember one evening going out with a gentleman in the church. We were visiting with a couple, and and they were lost. We were witnessing to them, and, and there was a small child in the room, and the child was dictating everything. We saw very quickly how we were going to have to tag team. If he was witnessing to the couple, by the way, the couple both of them ended up coming in faith in Christ that night. But if he was witnessing, I would try to read a book to the child or get a toy and and occupy the child. If the child then went over to him, I'd pick up on the conversation and share the gospel, and and he would read a book to the child or or uh, get a toy out. And and in in pairs, you can do things like that. Two by twos very practical lesson of going out two by twos but I want you to see secondly the instruction of the Lord beginning there in verse 8 it says he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff no bread no bag no money in their belts but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics and he said to them whenever you enter a house stay there until you depart from there and if and any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you. When you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. I think three words can be used here to describe what we see going on in the instruction of the Lord. The first word would be dependence. They're in verses 8 and 9. Now let me say we don't have verse 8 as a timeless principle. Jesus didn't say his followers are always to do this. In fact, later on in the Gospels, he told them to take supplies with them. But here in their very first mission, he wanted to teach them the principle of dependence. They needed to travel light. They needed to depend upon the Lord to open doors for them and provide for them. The second word I think would be contentment there in verse 9. If God opened a door and they found lodging with the family and, and there was a family open to the message, they needed to be content to stay there until their work was done. In other words, if you're staying with the Joneses and you're speaking, uh, sleeping in a little uncomfortable twin bed and eating hamburger and the Smiths down the road say, Hey, come stay with us. We've got a queen-size bed for you. We've got a hot tub. We've got ribeyes instead of hamburger. Don't go there. Stay where you are. Don't give the impression that you're only in it for what you can get out of it. Robbie Jones may remember a few years back when he and I and Ivati, we were in Cameroon, Africa, and we we stayed in a building out in the middle of nowhere we didn't have electricity we didn't have running water they told us at night not to get very far away from the building all of the wilderness around us and in our room with bunk beds above us there was an attic area and I have no idea what kind of African wildlife was in that attic but every night When the sun went down, it was pitch black dark in that bedroom. Right above your head, right above that uh, plywood ceiling, something was fighting like crazy upstairs. We had some pretty interesting food on our plates too. As the gospel was beginning to spread, it would have been a terrible precedent to set for the disciples to to have obsessed over where they stayed and where they're not they wanted better accommodations or not everybody would have said these followers of Jesus are just in it for what they can get out of Folks, just think of the damage that's been done in modern days, for example, by the Jim Bakers and other people like him. Even today, it's not uncommon. If you're in the home of a skeptic, they'll bring people like that up and say, you Christians are just interested in people's money. They still want to constantly throw that out all the time. We know they're wrong, but we don't want to give them ammunition of always having to have the best. People on mission have got to be determined to be content. You don't criticize the food they set before you. You never know how much they have sacrificed to be able to provide you with that meal that they're feeding you. You eat what they put in front of you. It might be goat. By the way, goat's pretty good, that's not bad like chicken but you know I might have to draw the line in Malawi with the roasted mice on a stick I remember Robbie talking about when he and a group of men took the first trip over to Malawi. There was a a woman cooking out in a field in a big old iron pot with a, a fire made underneath, and she was cooking food for that evening for them to have. And they went over to that pot of stew, and it was it was rice and it was tomatoes, a stew of that, and they kept seeing bits of meat roll up in that, and they got closer and it was whole mice in there and that was that was the meat I think I'll have goat please (laughs) so dependence contentment a third word resolve look at verse 11 And if any place will not receive you and they'll not listen to you, when you leave, shake the dust that is on your feet off as a testimony against them. Don't be too thin-skinned. Don't be offended if you're not received. If somebody doesn't receive you, just politely move on. Shake the dust off. Even that dust will be a testimony against that person on the day of judgment. Uh, There's a background in this. The ancient Jews, when they would go into Gentile cities, they viewed the Gentiles as being unclean. And when they would leave that village, they would shake the dust off of their sandals. And Jesus used that analogy with the Christians. If somebody doesn't receive you, just shake the dust off. I've told you before about Max Pendleton, who pastored over in Belmont. He told me one time he went to see a a guy at a house over in Belmont, kind of a a mill village type house. And this guy came to the door, huge guy, tattoos all over him. He looked like he belonged to Hell's Angels or something. And the guy, he opened the door, started cussing Pastor Max and told him to get off his property. Max turned around, took his loafers off, hit it on the on the porch in the column there. And the guy stopped and said, what are you doing? And Max explained this passage right here. And Max looked back at that big old guy and said, that dust off my shoe is going to be a testimony against you in the day of judgment. The guy said, whoa, wait a minute, come here. And he ended up leading that man to faith in Christ. But Jesus said, if somebody doesn't receive you, just move on. Don't quit. You know, it amazes me at how easily Christians are ready to give up oftentimes. Folks, if preachers quit every time somebody in their church criticized them about something, there wouldn't be a church in the nation with a pastor. Sometimes preachers will get a phone call and and a committee member is ready to quit because everybody on the committee didn't like their opinion on a matter. Or a Sunday school teacher calls and says, Pastor, uh, my class didn't really like this last point in the lesson I gave this week. And, And I tell you what, I think I'm ready to give the class up. Folks, sometimes we want to say to folks, get over it, grow up. Not everybody is going to receive you. And look at at what we find out about the life of Christ in the New Testament. Not everybody received him either. And he said on one occasion, the servant is not greater than the master. If they've done that to me, they're going to do it to you as well. Take visitation, for example. If somebody slams a door in your face... Are you going to give up? Never go to see anybody else again? No, you just move on. I've had doors slammed in my face a number of times when they find out who I am and what I represent. But you know what? Move on, go to a... I've had a lot more people say, "Pastor, thank you for coming by tonight. We've got some things we want to talk to you about this. Evening. Would you come in and pray for us?" That happens a whole lot more than the negative. You just have the resolve though to keep going, keep moving on. A third thing I want you to see, the obedience of the twelve. Look at verses 12 and 13. It says, so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Now, two words, I think, describe what the disciples' response showed. The first word, I believe, would be courage. Courage. They went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Look at the message that they preached. Repentance. Folks, that's the last thing some people want to hear. But you think back to Jesus in Mark chapter 1 verse 15 again. It says, Jesus came preaching, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is here. The basic needs of man has not, have not changed. Do we need to repent less today than they did in biblical days? I think not. Some people want to say, just address the felt needs of people so you can get a crowd. But the felt needs of people may not be the real needs. Besides that, lost people seldom realize what their true, genuine needs really are. The need, the need is not for people to go out and try to find themselves. The need is for people to come to the end of themselves and to repent folks the message of scripture is clear we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God we're all guilty there is none who is righteous no not even one Paul says in Romans 3 moreover he says the wages of sin is death he's talking there not just about physical death but spiritual death as well folks the Bible's message is clear we're in trouble We're in trouble and apart from Christ, we can't do anything about the trouble that we're in. We can't help ourselves out of this situation that we're in. But it was because of his love and mercy that the scripture says, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. People say, Pastor, when I get good enough, I'll come to Christ someday. No, you won't because you'll never be good enough. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Think about that. He bore your sin, he bore my sin, he reconciled us to a holy God. Christ did for me and for you what we could never do for ourselves. And so the invitation in the Bible is to repent and believe, to come to Christ. Repent means to turn around, do an about face. Turn around from your sin, turn away from your own efforts. Turn to Christ, trust Him and Him alone to save you. And if you'll do that, you know what? He will forgive you of everything you've ever done wrong in your life. He'll wash all of your sins clean. And you'll experience a change from the inside out. That's the new birth. We see they went out and preached this message. The second word, I think, is the word compassion. Verse 13 says, they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. They ministered to people's bodies as well. Some of the Greek philosophers of ancient times, the Greek philosophers during the first century, they said that the body doesn't matter. Only the spirit does matters only the soul matters and consequently some of the Greek philosophers said you can do anything you want to with your body you can join your body to unrighteousness you can do anything with your body if you the body doesn't matter as long as you just give attention to your soul folks that That's a a philosophy that was condemned in the Bible. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God created you body, soul, and spirit. Your body matters to God, you're His temple. We need to minister, we need to preach the gospel, but we need to minister to the whole man. Just read what the book of James says about that. You find widows in need, what what is a church to do? You're to minister to the widows among you, those who are true widows. James gives the illustration of somebody poor and destitute, knocks at your door, and you go to your your door and open it, and you say, go and be well fed, and Be clothed. God bless you. I hope everything goes well. You slam the door and you do nothing to help them. James says, you don't have a real faith at all. You've got a false faith. A true faith is a faith that works. We're not saved by uh, works. Works are not the root of our salvation, but they're to be the fruit of our salvation. Where there is true, genuine born-again faith you'll have works and 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 you reach out to people in need because you have God's heart for them. You preach the gospel to them, you minister to the whole person. And folks, you know what? Christians in the 1800s and 1900s around the world, I think they understood that well. Because many of the universities, many of the orphanages, many of the hospitals that were built were built during those centuries when Christians understood you've got to minister to the whole needs. And then something happened. Liberals came along, liberal denominations, because they didn't preach the gospel. They said, we'll just concentrate on meeting the physical needs of people. And so they did soup kitchens and clothes closets and all of that. And and they met the physical needs of people. And they never addressed the soul. Conservative groups came along and said, we don't want to be like the liberals. And so we'll just... We'll just preach Jesus. We'll preach the gospel. Let somebody else take care of the physical needs. But folks, it's not either or. It's both and. We do both. As we have opportunity, we do both. God cares about the whole man. And Jesus set the pattern here. And he sent out the apostles to do the same. Now we see here as a sign that the kingdom of God had arrived in Jesus. Notice, he gave them the ability. This was the group that would become the apostles. He gave them the ability to do things, many of the things he himself was doing. And I know that brings up a question. Does God still do miracles today? Well, absolutely. God can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. There's plenty of testimonies in modern times about modern day miracles. But generally speaking, we see this is not how God works today. There were were times in the Bible when God was bringing a new revelation to people that the message would be accompanied by miracles and signs and wonders. But even by the end of the first century, that was beginning to fade for example the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2 makes mention of this he talks about that first generation of Christians that they had learned the gospel from how their message was confirmed with the signs and miracles and wonders that they did God was confirming the message But my point is that even the writer of Hebrews writing in the first century seems to indicate that period was beginning to fade. And in the letters to the churches, the epistles, they're never instructed to go out and try to do things like this. Instead, they're simply to preach the message of the gospel. They're to preach Jesus and make disciples. But again, that's not to say God doesn't do miracles now. But it's... It's just not our what we go out and make a priority of. I can't breathe on you and slay you in the spirit. I may slay you with bad breath, but I can't go out and just slay you in the spirit. But when people are sick, what do we do? We gather together as a church. We pray for them. We pray that God will heal them. And you know what? God may heal them apart from modern medicine and doctors. And praise God when he does that. Or God may use doctors and medicines and hospitals to heal people. That seems to be the more more consistent pattern we see. Praise God for that. The healing is still from God. God's the one who brought about the healing, regardless of the means. When somebody's marriage is in shambles, we pray for the marriage to be healed. When somebody is lost, we pray for them to come to know the Lord. And if they do, that's a miracle. In fact, that's the greatest miracle of all. So does God still do miracles? Yes. But just not in the name itself. And claim it type way. We see some groups today trying to do it. But folks we go out with the message. As we see people in need. We meet the need. And we share the gospel. We do both. And this is an urgent mission. That we're about. Because who knows the day that. The father's going to say to the son, Go get your bride. And for those outside of Christ, it will be eternally too late. David Brainerd was a missionary to the American Indians. He died at a young age. Witnessing to an Indian chief on one occasion, the The Indian chief wasn't sure he was ready to believe. David Brainerd got up and took a stick and he drew a big circle around the Indian chief. And he said, Indian? Indian chief? Mr. Indian chief? Whatever he called him. said, before you leave this circle today you better decide what you're going to do with Jesus. You may never get another chance. Folks, it is urgent business that we are about as a church. We dare not play games with the sacred things of God. We dare not play games with the gospel message. Let me give you some takeaways today. Number one, life is to be more than treading water and passing time. Life is to be more than treading water and passing time. Our life is to have purpose and mission. A second takeaway, as we serve God, we need to do so in a spirit of dependency upon God's provision. Thirdly, we need to serve with contentment. Contentment. Fourthly, the gospel demands change in people's lives. Again, the biblical word is repentance. Repentance. And then lastly, physical needs can be a door of opportunity to address spiritual needs. Church, let's live lives of mission. Let's see the urgency of the hour and join hands together because we don't know how long we'll have. Dr. John MacArthur tells the story of a prominent publication out west that one time had a a picture in it you open the publication up and it was a vast uh, wheat field or cornfield one of those two out in one of the western states Kansas Nebraska somewhere around there and the next picture was of a family holding a small child who had died of exposure the child had wandered out into that wheat or cornfield gotten lost and died from exposure and starvation and dehydration the community had gathered together and joined hands to try to form a long human chain and comb through that field to try to find that that child And, and the caption underneath the picture of the parents holding their dead child the caption underneath said oh God had we only joined hands sooner the hour is late let us join hands in god's mission and live lives of mission together for the glory of god father we thank you for the again for the life the message of the lord jesus christ we see what he was about in his life he lived with that urgency Sometimes his disciples would want him to turn back into an area and he'd say, no, we need to press on. There are other places that need to hear. God, help us not to just tread water in our lives, to get up and only be concerned with making a living. Lord, that's what we're going to naturally gravitate to. Our own daily business that we tend to. Lord, help us to see the priority of your mission. And join hands in that because the hour is late. Lord, there may be Christians here this morning who have long since lost their their sense of mission, their sense of purpose, a passion for the gospel. They don't have that anymore the way they used to. God, I pray that you would renew that passion in us today. Lord, for the one here who doesn't know Christ in his or her life. May they understand the lateness of the hour and may they come to Christ. Jesus saves. And God, I pray that they would know of that salvation in a personal way, even today. There may be... Visitors here today who say we want to join a church body with a sense of mission. God, draw them forth this morning to join in with us. Lord, help us as we're about the Great Commission. It's a work that is too big, it's too great to do on our own. God, may we lean into you, depend upon you, look to you. Because God, if you don't do it through us, it won't be done. We cannot do it in the flesh. Help us to be about your business, we pray in Jesus' name.